Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 51st episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is Liam Land. And this is Pendy. Hey, Liam, I just picked up Dragon Warrior 7 for the PlayStation 1. I even got it with the original case and manual. Nice. That's a great find. Uh, so have you played much of the game? Yeah, it's great and all, but that's not what I'm really excited about. What I'm really excited about is that on the back of the manual, it says Dragon Warrior 4 Remake coming 2002. That's awesome. 4 is one of my favorites in the series, and I've never played the PlayStation Remake before. Have you played it? What's it like? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. About that, Pendy. I mean, you should be prepared for disappointment. It, it just it, it never happened. What? But the manual says, and 4 is my favorite, and and what a load of gum pod. I know, agreed, it's totally road apples, but we'll get into that later. While Pendy readjusts this new worldview, let's venture <sighs> forth into today's topic. This episode takes us back to a look at Dragon Quest history, back to a deeply emotional time with the fan base almost 20 years ago now. The cancellation and localization, uh, the t- cancellation of the localization of Dragon Warrior 4 for PlayStation. A load of gum pod! This is true. Uh, today, our guests are two ROM hackers working on a project to set right what once went wrong and uncancel Dragon Warrior 4 for PlayStation. We welcome Mandy Wilkins and Marcus Schroeder to the party. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> All right. Hi. Welcome, guys. Nice to meet you guys. Welcome, everybody. Uh, so, so how did you originally get into the Dragon Quest series? Mandy, we'll start with you. Okay, word. Yeah. Um, so, I am a huge dork about RPGs, and I, I like to keep, like, a spreadsheet <laughs> of, like, the games I'm going to play next. And Dragon Quest was literally always at the bottom of it uh, for, like, a long time. I, I don't know where I got this impression, but I got this impression that they were, like, super traditional and, like, no frills, like, sword and sorcery. Um and I just didn't think that that was my thing. Um, but then a friend of a friend started playing uh, Dragon Quest XI um, and was got like super excited about it and was trying to tell everybody like in their network to play Dragon Quest. Um, and so eventually it got to me um, and they they described you know, like Silvando in, in the game and like uh, they had never experienced Puff Puff before in Dragon Quest. <laughs> um, and it was just like not what I expected from Dragon Quest at all. Uh, so yeah, I decided to give Dragon Quest Eleven a try. Uh, I think a lot of people got into Dragon Quest through Dragon Quest Eleven, and, and yeah, I I went through it. I, I didn't beat the, uh, the, the post game. I got to the credits. Because uh, I heard there were spoilers, and so I decided to play every single other mainline game <laughs> before finishing off Dragon Quest Eleven. So I'm almost oh, wow. there. I, oh, I've wow. played most of them <laughs> at this nice. point. Um, but yeah, I just am completely obsessed with Dragon Quest now. Uh, I'm seriously hooked. So yeah, that's how I got into Dragon Quest. Wow, awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a really good entry point because it does cover off on like uh, it's 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 like the you hear people say it's the love letter to. Um, the franchise itself with everything old and new uh in one game and it has a yeah. so it has a very familiar feeling but they're also venturing forth on new territory which is amazing it's the yeah. soundtrack too just going through the old games after hearing like a lot of the songs it just makes things like so much more familiar too oh definitely yeah, yeah. and that's the same perspective on the other uh the other end where you've played it you know you played them growing up or you played them for a couple of years and then you hear it again 
in in the uh, in the game. And I think uh, doesn't Pendy does the definitive edition have orchestral sound? Yes, awesome. Yeah, they added yeah, that yeah. To, to the definitive. Cool. It's it's Eleven's uh, great as being uh, having a dual role of being a great starter for people who've never played Dragon Quest before, and then uh, a perfect game for people who've played them all throughout the years. And you, you said you're going back and playing like the early ones. You could probably play. Uh, for at least for the for the post game, like one th- one through three, and then that be uh, good to go for what what you're going to see in the ending. But yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I've already made up my mind. I'm playing all of them. <laughs> Maybe not Dragon Quest Seven. Oh, that's great. <laughs> seven, yeah, seven. You, we'll take you probably about seven years to play now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of content in seven. It's um it's kind of one of those reasons why people either really love it or are just kind of get bogged down in it. Um. But uh, yeah, Marcus, how about you? How did you originally get into the Dragon Quest series? Yeah, funny to hear uh, from Mandy that's uh, kind of the same motivation, actually. Um, actually, um, I started with uh, Final Fantasy games back in uh, starting with Final Fantasy VII. And um, yeah, I continued all of that. And then I thought, yeah, well, there's also another video game series out there, which is Dragon Quest. Um, and because I'm also a retro gamer, um, I thought, yeah, why not looking into uh, Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3? And then I saw, uh, yeah, there's these uh, SNES versions of them, and they are translated so nice. <laughs> I can play them. Um, and I did this uh, in 2020. Uh, so really starting with uh, part 1, and then 2, and then 3. So it was really a nice experience for an old RPG gamer. Uh, to come in contact with this uh, video game series. Uh, the thing is, yeah, then it stops, so to say, at at four. So this was uh, the part, um, I guess, why we are here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Nice, nice. So uh, for both of you, uh, what's your favorite mainland, uh, mainline and spinoff game? I don't know if you've uh, either of you have played any spinoff games in the series yet, but... If you do, what's your favorite uh, mainline mainline game and spinoff game? And we'll start with uh, Mandy. Cool. Yeah, I have played the spinoff games and also love them. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But uh, but yeah, as far as mainline goes, uh, definitely Dragon Quest V. I just like mm. probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest stories I think told in an RPG, that, at least that I've ever played. Um, especially. Uh, you know, being so old, <laughs> you know, one of like the the, the early Super Nintendo games. Um, but yeah, just like was really compelling for me. Um, and like, I think that that Nimzo boss battle is is probably one of my favorites in the series. Um, and yeah, I, I played the Super Famicom version. Uh, and yeah, I was just like really into Super Nintendo RPGs back back when I played it. And so uh, yeah, it's I think just up there. Um, and I, I'm also gonna replay it on the PS2. Uh, oh, nice! Probably pretty soon because I I was able to get that translated, um, <laughs> like do the patch. Um, but yeah, as far as spinoffs go, um, actually the second Dragon Quest game I played was Dragon Quest Builders Two, um, mm. and it, it's just I I think it's like a perfect game. <laughs> like they took like everything that was like good game design from like Minecraft and Stardew Valley. And, I mean, from Dragon Quest, and they put them all into, like, one game. It's just, like, so compelling as a game. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, it definitely, after playing that, it helped me appreciate Dragon Quest 2 a lot more. Oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, with 5, that's oftentimes pointed out as, like, one of the best stories that... 
Dragon Quest has to offer, uh, and and just from RPGs in general. Uh, so that's that's awesome. Uh, what about you, Marcus? Uh, yeah, so as I said, I only can tell about uh, one, two, and three uh, because I had no time to look into the other games. Uh, but I actually ordered uh, some of them, so I have them in the shelf. But uh, I had no time to look into them. And um, I actually want to play them chronically, so it's really, uh, I stopped at 4, because I thought, yeah, actually I want to play 4, and then 5, 6, 7, and so on. So, yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm stuck yeah. here. <laughs> Do you have a favorite among among the 4 that you've played? Um, yeah, well, so the last, uh, this, this part uh, 3 uh, was really long, and yeah, I really liked it, so... Awesome. Yeah, well, that'll be good. That'll, that'll be good uh, motivation for you for your project. <laughs> like I can't. Yeah, so. I can't continue unless I finish this this uh, this ROM hacking project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really uh, if I would continue, then maybe this project would be so ah okay, then it's fine. Or I played a DS version or something. But I thought no, I am from this PlayStation era, so I want ah. to play the PlayStation version. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I I was in the same boat. I. <laughs> I wanted to play four, uh, and I I didn't have a DS at the time, so <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna start translating the uh, the PlayStation one, pick up this project. <laughs> um, yeah, funny. <laughs> Same motivation. I ended up nice. playing it. I, I got a DS, but <laughs> I was originally planning on translating it and then playing the PlayStation one. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, so what is it that draws you to the series most? Why do you like Dragon Quest more than some other RPG series? Mandy, you want to start? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just, I really like Dragon Quest because it's like they're RPGs that have just like a ton of heart. I think um, they're really straightforward, but it doesn't mean that they're not like uh, just like full of emotion, full of like uh, you know adventure and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know. If, uh, Either of you have read the Tim Rogers review of Dragon Quest Eleven that's on Kotaku, but oh, I think he read really, like yeah, it's it's super long, it's like absurdly long, but it, it rules. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but he says that like Dragon Quest games are like bedtime stories um, that like you can play them in like half hour sessions and just get like a complete experience. And in every half hour you play, like going to a dungeon or like visiting a town, like talking to people. I don't know. They're just like comfort RPGs for me. Um, and yeah, like like he said, like just nice little bedtime stories. Yeah, I I'd like to, uh, to to say that if you if anyone out there listening gets a chance to either read his reviews or or watch his YouTube videos on the original or the definitive edition of his uh, review of Dragon Quest Eleven, it's very entertaining. It's it's nice. Awesome. How about you, uh, Marcus? Uh, what what draws you to the series most? Why do you like Dragon Quest more than other RPG series? Um, because of the turn-based battle system, actually. Uh, so I really like this that you have somehow a strategy uh, you can play. Um, yeah, because most of the news uh, RPGs have these action battle systems, and uh, sometimes you don't see what happens here and so on. And uh, for a turn-based one, you can really have a yeah, think about what you want to do. And um, yeah, it's really charming. Uh, it uses magic. I like magic uh, a lot. And also, yeah, I love really the, the music. So that really attracted me, <laughs> this music. So yeah. Great. It's awesome. So. Uh, for both of you, do you have uh, favorite monsters or characters from the series? 
Not coincidentally, mine is uh, Pizarro in character and monster form. Uh, Mandy, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, Sar was so good as a character mm. and a boss. Um, I just, like, really like that staged boss battle. Just, like, really cool to see the boss, like, morph. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that Dragonlord <clears throat> is, like, super underrated. Um <laughs> He's got, like, a great design, um, and I, I don't know if either of you would have, or you probably have played Dragon Quest Builders, but that, like, plot twist at the end, he, you know, like, he's, like, asked you to join him, um, and if you say yes, I, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of, like, time stuff with Dragonlord, which I like, uh, yeah. and with Dragon Quest Builder, it's just, like, super cool. Um, as far as enemies, though, I think, I really like the design of Phantom Fencer, just, like, the, uh, the oh, cape yeah, yeah. with the sword is really cool, um, and then uh from dragon quest monsters joker 2 there's kanzar who's that slime operating the uh the big like uh golden crab suit um i love that guy <laughs> so cool that's awesome yeah that that transformation scene uh with bizarro uh in the in the end of near the at the end of four like i'm i played it you know way back in the day for the nintendo and to see that as a little kid was just amazing and, and still is amazing to me how he just transforms and and finally gets into his final form is great yeah. uh what also, about you also, also oh, kind of gross too right <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah he's so it, i think it's, it's amazing because it's gross <laughs> yeah like, especially uh, like the later versions because they yeah they, they 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 take it up a notch with that transformation yeah yeah and then and you can see that influence on future games too like orgo demir they then that's in seven is like that's even worse oh <laughs> that's yeah. even more gross <laughs> everything's everything's dripping <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, what, what what about you, uh, Marcus? Yeah, so when I have to pick one, I would maybe pick uh, Orshi also. Or is it called Orshi? <laughs> in in part three, uh, this this uh, one uh, where you have in this uh, Japanese village or so, and then you go down. Oh, uh, uh, you're Orochi. Orochi, yeah. Yeah, I mean Orochi. Yeah, I find, uh, and also it it has the sound when you come nearer, and then it uh, directly makes this wah sound, and it was really okay. Nice. There comes this uh, battle of uh, boss battle now. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's actually based on a, I think a, an actual Japanese myth too, which is which is ah. pretty cool. I actually uh, I saw a reference to that outside of Dragon Quest Three um, not too long ago, and I was like, oh wow, I didn't realize I like thought that was just something they wrote in and it's like actual mythology that that gets finds its way into the game that was really cool yeah mm. cool so do you have uh mandy do you have any favorite mechanics in dragon quest games monster collecting job classes or casinos or anything like that um yeah i think like just i mean the battle system is is perfect it hasn't changed a whole lot <laughs> even up to to 11 which you know there's controversy over 12 maybe having a different mechanic but um you know, all the other ones are just so simple and good. But I, I think uh, besides that, I think, I don't know if it's a mechanic, but like, I just really like that every character in the game has something important to say. Um, like, there's clearly no filler characters who just, you know, say something meaningless. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking about about this earlier, um, especially re with regard to Dragon Quest IV. Um, there's like a part where you like meet a guy in a bar who's like going to ask his crush out on a date. And then you see him on the boat later and he's been rejected and he's like going to move to some <laughs> other town. And then you actually get to that other, other town and he's like starting like a new life. And I just think that's so cool to like 
as like a story building thing and and i think that's like consistent in every game oh yeah um, it's, that, that's that's what's great about dragon quest is that like one of the things that it's known for is building that atmosphere that world building with all the characters and and towns and things that they come up with it, it that's a, a good observation because they are very uh famous for doing that yeah was there not also this mechanic uh yeah you have do, this... so do you have any favorite mechanics like monster collecting or job classes or um like the casino system any of the mini games yeah just remind i just want to say uh, it reminds me um, about this one where you have this story about this uh, village and it was is built um while you playing the game and when you visit again the oh, village yeah. uh, it, it grows more and more and then you have this a small story uh, about this one builder or so and uh, it was funny that you uh, again and again comes to this uh, village and yeah see what happens there so yeah awesome and i think that did that start in seven with like the immigrant town pendy like the that kind well, of there's well there's a town yeah, that, in was a, that was in three yeah. Oh, that was in. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah that's that's mm -hmm. the uh, the immigrant the town. Yeah. The, the new town. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Yeah. That's so fantastic. I uh, I did a playthrough recently, and I named the merchant. I made the merchant my daughter, uh, who who had just turned one at the time, and uh, I'm playing it through with my my four year old son, and we're. And they get to the point where the merchants like like locked up for being greedy and, and corrupt, mm -hmm. and now like I think. Uh, in the remakes of three, you get the merchant back, but in the original NES version, I don't think you do. <laughs> I think the merchant's just like in jail perpetually. Uh, so they locked my daughter up for for being too greedy of a merchant. <laughs> yeah, your merchant stays in jail in the Game Boy version too. That was the oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it, what which what was the version that you get them back then? What am I thinking of? Um, maybe maybe the mobile version or the Super Famicom version. I don't remember. That could be the SNES version, yeah. So I, if yeah. I remember correctly, uh, you get him back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that that's uh, that's definitely um, a, a fun mechanic as well, that kind of uh, town building that you could see kind of ripple through uh, some of the other games as well, including some of the remakes uh, where they added in, um, like in, in the DS versions, where you could kind of connect uh, games and share character info. Um, all right, so let's get into the history of what happened here with Dragon Warrior 4 PSX. Uh, it's 2001, Dragon Warrior 7 releases for PlayStation. Uh, I remember being a regular on the Enix forums for about a year or two at that point. Uh, for a lot of us back then, and even now, Dragon Warrior 4 is our favorite Dragon Quest game. Uh, the characters, the stories, the music, all just amazing. And in, in the back of the Dragon Warrior 7 booklet, as we alluded to earlier, uh, is an ad for Dragon Warrior 4, a remake that features an updated version of the game engine for Dragon Warrior 7, coming 2002. It looks incredible. The hype among the fan base is intense. Uh, brand new Dragon Warrior styled game, uh, coupled with the amount the announcement of a remake of a classic game in the same style. So suddenly 2002 rolls around, and without warning, the project is abruptly canceled. Uh, according to an interview we did with Nob Agaswara, who was our translator for uh, um, a, a translator at uh, Enix of America and our admin on the Enix forums. Uh, the development company behind Dragon Warrior uh, 7 and the 4 remake, Heartbeat, uh, was actually a little bit insulted that they were made to compete with other companies for the Dragon Quest 8 project that ended up uh, that they ended up disbanding uh, and effectively shutting down the Western release of Dragon Warrior 4. Um, 
So the Western fan base was devastated. However, a few of us back way back then when, uh, you know, however few of us there were back then, rather, we did everything we could to try to salvage what information we could, uh, bugging the admins, asking real nicely to try and get the proprietary code. It just wasn't possible and it wasn't something anyone was willing to leak. Um, so fans tried diving into the Japanese version to see if a translation project would be possible, but the proprietary code proved to be too complex at the time to decipher. Um, so basically nothing worked and the fan base was forced to just deal with it. It would be about six years before the West would see a similar remake ported to the Nintendo DS. Yes, and uh, for the Dragon Quest News Network, uh, I was able to interview Enix of America's PR representative at an E3 uh, in Los Angeles in 2002, and he also confirmed that Heartbeat disbanding pretty much tanked the project. They just didn't have the resources to do it without the original company that made it supporting them. So with that being said, among the fan tr translation community, this project has been on again, off again for almost 20 years. Some past attempts have started and failed. So for you guys, what inspired you both to pick this project up? And what are both of your roles in the project? Are you both ROM hackers? And do you have a trans uh, translation for the script yet? Uh, Mandy, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I, I mentioned this already before, but I, I really just wanted to play Dragon Quest IV. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of the the PlayStation and and just like the art style that uh, Dragon Quest Seven and you know Dragon Quest Four was was gonna be in. Um, and so uh, you know, seeing that this wasn't available, but seeing that there there was a you know a thread on romhacking.net, I was like, you know, maybe I'll I'll give this a shot. Um, I'm I'm actually I I don't know if I would consider myself a rom hacker. I guess I am now. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I I do embedded development for a living, so it's it's really a, a lot of similar uh, concepts. So this is all stuff I'm like super used to. Um, but uh, but yeah, I we don't really have roles. We're we're both kind of tackling things at the same time, and we're both also like enormously busy. Um, so so things have been a, a bit slow. Um, but uh, we do have a translator. Uh, I was I'm in contact uh, with a translator named Sparrow. Um, oh, I, I, did, I know I know oh, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know them through the uh, through the community. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, they did the um, they did the uh, delocalized Dragon Quest monsters. They did. They did one just recently. So yeah, they're definitely going to be helpful here. Um, but yeah, just you know, waiting for us to have the proper tools yeah. to, to actually do translation. But, and, and that might be a while, but yeah, they said they're on board. Yeah, I've, I've played uh, projects that they've done in the in, in the past. Uh, so uh, quality, quality translators, that's awesome. Cool, how about you, Marcus? Uh, yeah, so what do I have to say? Uh, it's actually the copy of uh, what Mandy said. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of the same. Um, looking at the game, then seeing, uh, okay, uh, it's just in Japanese, then maybe checking uh, some of the resources in the internet, what people did here, and uh, then I thought, okay, so hard, it cannot be so hard <laughs> in the end. Um, so then I just looked into it, uh, yeah, and then there was this, ah, okay, that's why it's it's um, so difficult to do. Um, yeah, so this was kind of the, the motivation, um, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so we we talked about uh, the the complexities of the code that have baffled ROM hackers in the past. Can you describe what some of those complexities were and and how you were able to get around what's been a roadblock for previous attempts to hack Dragon Warrior Four PSX? Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is maybe uh, this is like super super technical, uh, <laughs> but um, so. Yeah, I'm trying to maybe think about how to describe this in a in a more simple way. But um, the the big thing, so we were able to uh, extract all of the Japanese text, or at least uh, the the dialogue from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's all that's all out now. So you know we can we can look at that and review it and translate it. Um, but you know, getting it back in is also not an issue. We can we can put the the we can re-encode the English text and then put it into the game. And um, actually, uh, Marcus was able to get that uh, you know and into the game and, and show it on screen. Um, but the the big issue is that um, in every level there's you know some kind of dialogue script you know that's like okay this character moves over here this sound plays and then this dialogue plays um and where it says that that dialogue is going to play it it points to a part in the memory uh to actually read the dialogue and decode that and put it onto the screen Mm -hmm. um and that is not uh, something that we really n- know where it's stored at all. And so um, the way we can get dialogue on screen right now is to uh, kind of interrupt that process and put in our own uh, you know, pointer to the English dialogue. Um, but the issue is there's so much dialogue in the game that we'll we'll run out of space in the binary to keep putting that like you know pointer map oh, so wow. to speak. Um, and so right now the the big hurdle is 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 figuring that out. But um, I I think that there's there's a way around that. And I've been doing a lot of, of research into getting around that roadblock, um, whether it's through creating a, a generalized um, kind of pointer map system, you know, pointing it to like, you know, maybe uh, a part of the, in the, did the dialogue where it can show where each bit is, but I don't know. It's very complicated. I'm, I'm butchering this. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting what you're putting down. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. understanding that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I can, can yeah. Well, give some, <laughs> some update, <laughs> some update about this. Uh, so I also, this was my first attempt actually to add this into the binary file. Uh, but as you said, this is true. Um, this will uh, be too large. So then I thought, yeah, okay, maybe we can put it back into uh, where the data is. Uh, and I tried different things. So mm. at some point, uh, you have some space left in these blocks you have in the ROM. Uh, so you maybe can fill them with some pointer maps and load them at the end. Uh, so this could be somehow possible, but it's still um, yeah in progress. So. I'm not sure if if we can do this uh, method with all the dialogue. So it for me it would also be nice when just uh, 90% of something would be translated. So, yeah. So are there any other hurdles that you've come along uh, in the project? I know with past uh, ROM hackers that we've talked to on Slime Time, there was an is- a common issue where you would run into the fact that uh, the English would be uh, take up a lot more space. Than the Japanese in the dialogue windows, so you'd have to to do it effectively. You'd have to like hack the 
the windows so that you could expand more space to put in the English. Is that something that you have to worry about with this uh, game or, or no? Yeah, um, well, in a way, <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, the the game is only in Japanese, it uses a Japanese font to, mm. to display things. And so there are, you know, there are, uh, you know, English letters inside of that font, but they're super wide. Um, and so, yeah, having the English uh, dialogue in there, they, it takes up a lot more space. Luckily, um, the, you know, there's, there's different codes uh, in the dialogue, which tells it to, you know, like do a new line or do it, go to a new dialogue box or like wait for user input. Um, and so um, we're able to actually get around that issue, luckily, <laughs> by using the game zone system. Um, and I've actually written up some some code that actually, uh, you know, says like, okay, there's 23 characters in a line. So if we filled up most of that and we got a new word, input a new line. And if, you know, we're on the second line, we just have to create a new dialogue box, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. It, hopefully it'll be something we can get around. Um, the issue is, you know, whoever's playing the game will have to press A a lot more <laughs> than uh, in, in like a properly translated one. But um, that could be something we work on in the future. But obviously there's a lot more, you know, bigger roadblocks uh, in our way right now. Right, right. Um, so, so is there... Uh, party chat that you're translating as well, and and does the translation process feel as large as Dragon Warrior Seven's famously massive script? I don't um, know. Do we have the, the party script um, extracted? So do you notice many? <laughs> uh, I think we do. I think we do. Um, okay. I, I yeah, I've done a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I've translated the first. So I have done a. Uh, some work matching up the Japanese script from the PlayStation version with the English script from the uh, Android version. Um, okay. So, so I wrote up a. Uh, so basically, the Android version. If you you know uh, look into the to the to the uh, APK file, the ROM. Um, there's a folder which has all the dialogue, and so there's English dialogue and there's Japanese dialogue. And so I wrote up a, a quick Python script which basically matches the Japanese dialogue of the PlayStation version with the Japanese dialogue of the Android version. Um, and so I've been able to translate just like automatically something like 70% of the dialogue using that method, which is pretty neat. Um, I think that there's a lot of controversy <laughs> with the uh, the Android one because uh, it, it uses that kind of like... Um, that weird era of Dragon Quest translations where there was like thick accents on everybody. And it was like, I, I mean, I don't know. I find it kind of difficult to read, but yeah, uh, there's other people that do too. Uh, that yeah. About that. Yeah. Um, right. present, on, the, uh, <laughs> on the forum post, there are people who are like, please like do not use the, the Android translation. And, you know, mm. I, I was able to get 70% of it translated already. So fight me, I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, I, I, I think but, the, the, the most that comes up is like the very beginning chapter uh, where the, like they translated uh, Berlin to be like Scottish. And like, yeah. it's, you feel like you're tra you're still doing translation work just playing. <laughs> but. Um, but to answer the original question, um, yeah, we the the dialogue that we're working on right now, I think, does include party chat because there's some party chat that's in the uh, and actually that like first scene, which is weird um, for 
um, I forget the character's name. Uh, that the the um, their best friend in the village. Yeah, the elf. Uh, yeah, yeah, the elf. Is it yeah. Eliza? Uh, I think it, yeah, something like Eliza. Um, she's got some party chat, even though I don't think she enters your party. Um, oh, nice. So I about that. Yeah, yeah, because it's because there's the the infamous DS version where they decided to not translate the party chat, and we didn't actually get to see the party chat until the uh, the mobile version. And I know there's a uh, there's a, a hack now where you can actually add uh, the party chat to the DS version uh, that someone did recently. But yeah, that'll be that'll be great to see in the the PlayStation version as well because I know they had started uh, the party chat in that version too. Yeah, that I don't think that'll be an issue. Cool. Or, well, yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I, I, we'll see. <laughs> I didn't realize somebody patched the uh, the mobile uh, party chat into the DS version. That's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. About about a, I want to say a month ago, uh, it came out. Oh, so okay, now you cool. now you're able to do that. Awesome. Uh, so uh, with with that in mind, uh, I do want to thank you both of you for picking this project up. Um, a lot of people just don't realize the graphical differences between this version and the DS uh, mobile versions. As far as I know, the content is the same as the future remakes, but the graphical presentation is so much different. Uh, like in the PlayStation 1 version, there are much more dynamic camera angles, such as when you first when you enter the first castle, uh, and so much more detail in the 3D aspects of the graphics. Like ponds have depth instead of just being blue squares. Windows have actual ledges instead of just being painted squares on a wall. Signs for shops are hung out from the walls on poles instead of just being painted on. The, fo the foliage is more dynamic. You actually pick up pots and barrels and you throw them instead of just touching them and they automatically explode. I mean, it's quite honestly, in my opinion, the best looking version of the game out there. Uh, and that being said, I haven't played through much of the PlayStation 1 version yet. Are there any other differences that you might know from your time in the games as well that you've seen? Yeah, the... The funny thing is for me that I just know the first scene because uh, I did this a lot of debugging uh, during checking uh, how to do it and so on. Uh, but yeah, as you said, um, you can throw things and uh, you can turn the camera and just because of this how it looks like, I really want to play it. Uh, so this was also motivation <laughs> just to see again and again the first scene and uh, thinking, yeah, could this be translated here? <laughs> Yeah, and that I believe that first scene, right? Wasn't that uh, that was added for the PlayStation version, and eventually, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. whole thing with uh, Eliza turning into the frog. Um, yeah, that comes to Solitaire, and then you go out of it, and then you come to the village, then you can, then there comes this frog, <laughs> then you yeah. go made back. Uh, the frog uh, goes into uh, becomes uh, someone. <laughs> yeah, so I just know this part of the game. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also um, you know, the fact that you can find sorrow, uh, like scoping out the village and kind of skulking around in the uh, um, in the uh, at the inn, and you you can just and that that's there, that's kind of subtly there in the NES version. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's more overt in the Japanese original Famicom version, but uh, in in the NES version, they just have like a generic. Uh, sprite for a minstrel that then later gets changed into the sorrow sprite and in the playstation version you have like the full-on sorrow sprite 
and he's just hanging out in the village saying like hey i'm a minstrel just traveling oh and yeah then, and then the village gets attacked later it's just kind of like weird foreshadowing thing so that happens in chapter five at the beginning of chapter five in the original uh and now in the playstation version they've moved that like that section of the chapter they've they've moved uh sort of like towards the beginning um so you have that experience with uh um find with meeting the hero first and playing a little bit of of their story uh before uh starting chapter one and and then just having to kind of build back up to uh that moment yeah i like that they did that i did i had no idea that sorrow was in the the beginning there maybe i didn't pick up on that i played the uh the ds version actually pretty recently um and yeah I guess also to to kind of get into this question, um, yeah, the, the the I think the PS One version is just like a lot more beautiful generally, mm. which is why I wanted to play it over the DS version. Um, but there are also some pretty minor things which I think are interesting. Um, I mean, I guess this is from like my perspective, like looking into translating the game, but. Um, when you have any kind of dialogue in the PS1 version, there's like um, like a little sound that plays as the text goes by, which I think is interesting. And, and I, I think that that uh, changes depending on the person you're talking to and what, what dialogue it is. Um, and see, that's kind of interesting to me because within these uh, text blocks, which contain the Japanese dialogue, um, they're... You know, there's a bunch more data that we haven't been able to uh, decode, um, and I'm really fascinated by this. I don't, I don't know if Marcus is, but um, there's the dialogue, and then there's another little bit of text which describes uh, what comes afterwards, and we've been calling it the uh, the D block because you know there's like A B C D blocks, and the like, I think I think A through C is. Um, like strictly dialogue, but this D block contains more information that we haven't been able to decode. Um, and I'm suspicious personally that this contains that that script um, that I was talking about before. Um, but it could also uh, include that like weird uh, like jingle that plays when you the dialogue goes by. So I don't know, but I, I've, I've been fascinated by that. And so even just like small differences in the PS1 version, um, I found have been really critical to look into um, so we can understand uh, like what's going on in that proprietary code and in, in like the assembly and debugging the game. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. There's that little like kind of like noise as the text yeah. goes across the screen. <clears throat> yeah. And um, that changes based on whether or not the character is supposed to have a low voice or a high voice. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Cause then you then have to kind of tie that in and then does it go at the, at the speed of the Japanese text or can, do you have to make adjustments for the English text or does it just flow kind of naturally? with any text I, I don't think we'll have to adjust it but <laughs> or like really at all but i'm i'm just like yeah i'm curious about that from like a a, a data aspect because it's like how how the code works is like when when does that play and like where is it getting that data mm -hmm. um and also does it explain what this mysterious d block is <laughs> yeah it's it's really hard uh, you really have to imagine that you go to some of an npc then talk with this npc and then you pr have a breakpoint and check okay what's happening now <laughs> and this uh, you do uh, 
yeah, very also very often to check. Okay, uh, what happens now? Where's the next pointer? What pointer was loaded, and so on. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really still a mysterious uh, how uh, it works or what this block does. Mm. It sounds like the logic is very non-linear, and you have to kind of try to piece it together. Yeah, so I really don't know where these um, yeah, script starting things are. So this would be really helpful if we would know that. Um, so is so to say the yeah where to load the dialog? Is this somehow in the binary encoded on on specific places? Mm -hmm. Do do you keep um any sort of wiki or notes and stuff to pass information back and forth um, when you kind of discover something new about the game? Yeah, so I created a blog post. Um, I don't know if, um, Mandy, you, you first read this one and then you maybe create your own documentation or so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I read your blog post maybe like 200 times. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, that was, yeah, that really got me uh, going with this. But yeah, I I have uh, all of my translation work is on GitHub. So if if anybody wants to check that out, I, I would read uh, Marcus's blog first before reading mine, because um, I'm trying to build off of that blog post. But yeah, all of all of my uh, notes are, are there. Um, at least, yeah, most of my notes, the, the notes that I've thought about and put pieced together in a way that makes sense. I have like a hundred text documents in the folder that are just like, just like my ideas and theories of things. Um, maybe I'll upload those too, but right now it's just Marcus and I. Cool. Um, so do, do either of you have a ROM hacking experience or is this your first uh, project? Um, I, so this was going to be my first project. Um, but I figured doing something that a bunch of people had failed at before <laughs> probably isn't great for a first project. Um, and so before starting this, I decided to like challenge myself, um, with some smaller things. So I did, I did a few, um, just like really basic, uh, hacks of the NES version of Dragon Warrior 1, where I changed the spell names to be the the like um, Square Enix spell names. Um, so like instead of Blaze, it's it's a uh, Sizz or whatever. Maybe that translates to Frizz. I don't know. But um, so I did one with the NES. I did one with the the Game Boy versions. Just like small things um, that I I didn't release. But um, knowing I could do those gave me the inspiration to to get started with this, and it definitely helped. I it's really uh, starting with the NES one shows you know. If you have a little bit of technical knowledge, like ROM hacking is is something that you know people can do <laughs> if they have programming experience. So I would definitely encourage people to to start with something like that if they if they're interested in getting involved. Yeah. So for yeah. me, uh, for me, it was also the the first one actually, uh, and yeah, it's quite uh, I guess the hardest one. Um, yeah, maybe actually. Uh, I I first thought, okay, I just have to go in, then looking for some Japanese characters <laughs> and change the Japanese characters to uh, English ones, and then I'm done. Uh, but then you come come along with this, okay, you have to first of all understand uh, the database, uh, what I have here, um, custom one, all these data blocks, um, then the text is compressed, so you have decompressed it somehow, 
mm -hmm. and you have to check how this this works and then finally uh, you really have to look at the sampler code uh, so it was really had to remember uh, from my uh, study time um, what this was all about and checking uh, with the debugger uh, each line and so on and uh, yeah you really get really fast into this rabbit hole uh, but yeah so we found out many things so uh, in the end uh, yeah we could uh, embed some translation uh, it was just the first dialogue there so it was just a proof of concept so to say to check okay is it actually possible to trick the game in putting their English text so uh, for me this was the okay it is possible now we have to do it in a better way and improve it and do it for all the dialogues and so on and so on and then the hard works comes so <laughs> or even yeah more hard I, I, I think I think it's a, it's pretty amazing like the amount of complexity now that the ROM hacking community has delved into for um, for localizations and, and things like that for for translating um, games that were never translated uh, from Japanese before um, so uh, the just hearing hearing both of you talk about uh, all of the level of details and intricacies and, and what you have to kind of blind blindly initially go in and figure out uh, from scratch um, without having that proprietary code experience um, from working at, at the company uh, that developed it uh, is just astounding to me and and I can understand why projects have kind of fizzled out in the past um, but it's it's just amazing to hear that you guys have uh, started this up and, and are deciphering it in, in any form, uh, however far through the project you are. Yeah, that's good. That's good of you to say, uh, Marcus, because like uh, not a lot of people realize how complicated these kind of projects can be. They just think, oh, just insert, uh, just insert the uh, the English text, and then you're good to go, and it's it's simple and easy. And it's really not, as you pointed out, all the different complexities that you have to worry about and. Uh, decompressing and all sorts of th little tricks that you have to learn to, to figure out how to do it. So it can be, it, I know from talking to a lot of uh, ROM hackers that it, it can be complicated sometimes uh, depending on the project. And some sometimes the way the code is written uh, can be very, uh, very complicated for people to, to figure out uh, everything they need to, to do it correctly. So yeah. It's, thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it can be quite 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 the project sometimes, as I've as I've heard from other ROM hackers. Um, so with that, and also with that in mind, with everything that you guys are dealing with, so uh, are you look are both of you looking for any kind of help on your project? Like uh, Marcus, I'll throw this one at you. What is a good way to reach out to you if someone is interested in helping you out? You mentioned a uh, blog, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Um... <coughs> Yeah, just to say this, uh, we are very busy, unfortunately, with uh, our jobs and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, so we really need people who are, first of all, crazy enough <laughs> uh, to look into this one and uh, really yeah, have the passion to do it. Um, so they, they definitely can contact us. Um, we have all the documents and so on. Um, yeah, we pass very friendly over all of our knowledge uh, to these people. Uh, who want to contribute contribute and um yeah also for mandy i guess it's the same yeah um yeah i mean really yeah you have to be uh definitely crazy to work on this <laughs> it's it's really pretty complicated but it's definitely something that um you know if if 
if anybody who wants to get involved with this just you know has has the motivation to do it it's it's something that i think could could be understood even by someone who who is not particularly uh you know experienced in rom hacking i mean neither of us are you know um but definitely yeah we're looking for people with more time on their hands um i yeah i work 40 hours a week and i i do a lot more i'm in a band i volunteer for like 20 hours a week too so <laughs> i i wish i had more time to work on this but um i really don't but uh, i i'm really excited about this um and i i hope if if someone else gets started that that we can um push this along uh otherwise it's gonna go at the the slow pace it's going at now <laughs> as i find time um but yeah if you want to get in contact um i'm on twitter uh i think at realm of mandy um you can also just search up like dragon quest 4 ps1 translation i i think either the blog post or the uh the github will come up um mm. but yeah, definitely contribute, and I I will say I'm ab absolutely willing to get on a call with anybody and explain everything because <laughs> I really want this to happen. Um, and so, however however it can happen, yeah, I I just want it to happen. So yeah, definitely please reach out. <laughs> Great. Uh, and so I know I know you have obligations with school or work, um, uh, but do you have a, a a goal set for the project, an end game in sight that you're shooting for, a date or a, or a, a year or a month, anything? That's a that's a rough one. At the rate we're working <laughs> now, uh, I I just don't know. I just don't know. I I definitely don't want to give up on this necessarily, but uh, just with how much I'm doing, yeah, this is definitely uh, on the, the back burner. Um, yeah, right, also for me, so we had some email messages actually, but we also had not, not the time to exchange many things, so it's really unfortunate that, um, yeah, we are so busy. Uh, so that's why it's so hard to, to put a date on this one. Um, no, that's, that's, under, that's understandable. Um, so if you are successful with this project, do you see yourselves tackling any other games in the future that haven't been translated yet? Or is there anything out there that, uh, in particular that uh, either of you are interested in? Uh, so I'll start with you, Mandy. Yeah, yeah, actually, I, uh, <laughs> there is something that I, I really, I, I think maybe that there's some effort in translating this already, uh, but um, I don't know if either of you have heard of the, the like, um, those like bootleg NES uh, like ROMs from from China. There was like the Final Fantasy VII D make that was released on the NES, um, and and there's a bunch of them. There's like Chrono Trigger that's been ported to the NES like as a bootleg in China. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's they actually did Dragon Quest V uh, that's been bootlegged onto uh, the NES. Um, but it's all in Chinese, uh, so um, I, I I really want to get <laughs> translating that because uh, I think that'd be just a blast to play on the NES. <laughs> mm. um, but but yeah, that that might be in the future. Um, I also uh, I'm like intermediate with like speaking Chinese, so hopefully wow. uh, hopefully that won't be too difficult. Hopefully I'll be able to like understand it a bit more than this like because of japanese i just i can't understand anything <laughs> what about you marcus yeah actually for now uh no there's no uh project yet uh yeah but actually speaking about language um 
I maybe try to in the future to learn Japanese more. <laughs> uh, so I was just at the beginning, so it could also be helpful to while looking at uh, the game uh, to understand the Japanese mm. uh, scripts mm. and so on. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, for now there's not no um, project or so. Great. So, I mean, in, in theory, you, you were uh, talking a little bit earlier about if, if people are looking to jump in. If you had a bunch of uh, new folks get in touch with you, uh, would that revamp uh, your um, uh, your schedule somewhat? Or would you be able to kind of hop in and, and, uh, and, and help ramp up uh, new folks to, to, uh, to help with the project? Um, actually, just like being asked to to get on this podcast uh, gave me a lot of motivation to to get back uh, into working on this. So uh, that D block, which I mentioned before, has been uh, a thing I've been looking into like a lot in the past while, but also uh, you know looking into this like general dialogue map kind of thing. But um, yeah, I I'm taking a bunch of vacation in December, uh, so if if people want to get in touch, uh, yeah, I I'm I, I'm I'm around. Uh, I'm willing to to call and, and get people uh, you know up uh, and like up to date with like everything that we're we're doing with this. So yeah, definitely if, if new people get in touch with us, it'll it'll help us out a lot and and get definitely get me motivated to to keep working on this um, awesome but like i said before i don't want to i don't want to give up on this we lost it in 2002 um <laughs> and i don't <laughs> want that to happen again <laughs> yeah well i'm hoping we can get enough folks uh you know to involve to maybe get a, a 2022 uh, 2022 <laughs> release, and then we can it would be officially like 20 years <laughs> since the cancellation. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, uh, so how do we get in touch with you both on social media? Uh, Mandy, you said uh, Realm of Mandy. Yeah, you got um, it on Twitter. Marcus, how about you? Um, yeah, you contact. You can contact me uh, via mail, um, or yeah, I guess via mail is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, we'll have that contact information uh, down in the show notes uh, for everybody. Um, so, all right, any anything else, Pendy? Do you have any other uh, any questions that kind of pop out? No, no, I, that's that's uh, that's all wonderful information from both of you. I'm, I'm glad to be able to interview you about the this project that that uh, is is so wonderful to see that is happening, and I, I look forward to one day, uh, even if it's a long time from now, playing this game. Eventually, it'll be great. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah, same same here. I mean, Dragon Warrior Four, Dragon Quest Four is uh, has been my favorite game since the the uh, the NES day, uh, era. Um, I really think it takes what three had 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 uh, built a foundation for the future of the series, and 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 it just expands upon it uh, with amazing characters, uh, really awesome music, and and um, storylines and everything. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to play this. I was super bummed in 2002 when this was canceled, um, and uh, yeah, so I'm I, I even imported it. Uh, from Japan back in 2002 and and got like the boot disc for the PlayStation uh, played it for like a hot minute because it was it was the pre Google Translate days and then uh, and then that was that was it it's now a trophy on my shelf and uh, and I look forward to uh, <laughs> yeah I look forward to someday um, uh, being able to play this um, fully translated it's it's going to be amazing so thank you hopefully both. Uh... 
hopefully if we can get this uh this past this this like roadblock which i think is definitely possible and i think marcus showed that it is possible um we can get some kind of alpha alpha build of the translation released with just the the dialogue translated i i'm hoping that can happen uh in a in a reasonable time frame so awesome if you guys need beta testers i mean we will we'll uh take that up uh, you know, I'm sure there's many people in the fan community that would love to come dive in and yes. and give feedback as well, even if they're unable to uh, um, work on any of the actual ROM hacking. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of Slime Time. We do want to thank Mandy Wilkins and Marcus Schroeder for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yep. <laughs> yes, thanks so much for being here. So uh, we, we don't use Patreon. We don't believe in siphoning money from other Dragon Quest fans. And when we can offer you quality content about the game series we know and love for free, uh, if you do have money that is completely burning a hole in your wallet and you would like to donate anything to the website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, uh, stop by Dragon's Den um, at www.woodis.com and select uh, click on support this site. Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den uh, DQ fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep those servers running. The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click that link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. It doesn't cost you anything. To advertise with us, reach out at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions for the Dragon Quest Slime Time podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining forums still around. Find it from the Dragon's Den main page or at www.wudis.com slash forums. You can also find me and other rabid DQ fans through the Dragon Questers Facebook group. Or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. We'd like to thank everyone that made this possible, like Buddhist, for his support of the series and this podcast, and keeping the Dragon's Den's lights on for decades. Thanks to Amanda Lapri and the Descendants of Verdric for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Verdric is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. Check them out and their most recent album, Advent, at www.descendantsofverdric.com or on Twitter at Diaverdric. And check out Amanda Lapri streaming on Twitch. Our thanks to Dwayne Bullock, our wonderf wonderful graphic artist slash DQ fan, for making the awesome artwork artwork cover for this podcast. Dwayne was on the original iteration of the Slime Time podcast. Uh, you can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or his website at DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. Awesome. If you're looking for more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. I think we're even on Audible, actually, as well. I keep forgetting to add that in but uh uh and check out where you know we're we're available where podcasts are downloaded and listened to uh <laughs> and check out our brothers and sisters in arms over at the slime time side quest podcast their latest episodes are available now bye everyone dragon quest slime time sliming off mm -hmm.